Hello, and welcome once again to the Dishes and Doctrine audio blog, the place where motherhood and theology collide. I'm Rachel, your host, and I'm so glad that you're back for another episode. I'm also especially glad because it's a rainy Saturday here in October, and I'm so grateful to my husband who gave me a few minutes to come upstairs by myself, drink some hot tea to try to warm up, and do a little writing and podcasting. And while I was sitting here, I was thinking a little bit about ministry, and my husband is a senior pastor, makes me the pastor's wife, and I find that one of the saddest parts of full-time ministry is the regular bombardment, you could say, of bad news that we receive. Now, most of the time, we're not the first ones to know, but eventually, we hear stories of failed marriages, battles with cancer and other diseases, struggles with sin, wayward children, Brokenness is all around us, isn't it? I mean, one minute into the evening news shows us the effects of sin from every single part of the globe. And unfortunately, that bad news doesn't just contain itself to other countries or even other churches. It's readily available in our own living rooms and church pews. So we have to ask ourselves the question, if brokenness is so rampant, what are we supposed to do with it? Do we ignore it and put on a plastic smile? Do we take pride in it? Because after all, it makes us just like everyone else. Do we simply try to ignore it? I want to take just a few minutes today to look together at why brokenness matters in our lives as believers. And I think the first thing to look at is that all brokenness brings pain. From medical diagnoses to adultery, The fractured pieces of our lives bring pain to both ourselves and those around us. It's just inevitable. If a husband is diagnosed with a rare, incurable disease, his wife and his children are also greatly affected. If a wife is unfaithful to her spouse, the infection of that sin spreads to her children, her extended family, all of her friendships. The phrase, no man is an island, is particularly applicable here, I think, because brokenness cannot stay contained to one person. Psalm 37, 39 says, but all sinners will be destroyed. There will be no future for the wicked. The first failure way back in the Garden of Eden had gigantic repercussions, didn't it? Including, included in the deception of the snake was a forgetfulness of the long stretching effects of sin. Eve was only thinking about her own opportunity for greatness, and Adam was only intrigued by what God might be withholding from them. So he thought, hmm, let's look into this don't eat rule God has given us. Neither of them comprehended the pain that would be brought upon thousands and thousands of generations to come after just one simple bite of fruit. The second thing to look at is that all brokenness brings shame. Now, I can still smell the musty carpet in the church nursery that was turned into a sixth grade classroom. Mrs. Cook had just left the room with a warning to keep our mouths closed and our bodies in our chairs. Now, usually, as the teacher's pet, I didn't initially plan on disobeying, but my best friend really needed to know the plans for our afternoon recess. So I spoke a few words as quickly and as quietly as possible before our teacher appeared back in the doorway. 
Who talked while I was gone? She asked as soon as she returned. And about a dozen hands sheepishly lifted in the air, which earned them the current classroom consequence. My hand, though, was not one of them. Immediately, my heart was filled with that heaviness of shame. I had talked. I had disobeyed. I had sinned. And I deserved the punishment for it. Now, this story could go on for a while because it has several other elements, including a tearful admission and an apology to Mrs. Cook three days later, and the most beautiful illustration of forgiveness I had experienced in my short 11 years. But I will never forget the agony of guilt that followed me after that lie. Now, unfortunately, it wasn't the last time that I would experience shame after sin. It attacks us immediately after any failure, whether big or small. It comes after eating one too many brownies to losing your cool with your four-year-old again. It can even rear its ugly head at unintentional brokenness. We experience guilt at our failure to solve world hunger and our lack of time to bring that new mom a meal. Our shame causes us to hide, just like Adam and Eve after their disobedience. Shame feels terrible, so we sew together parts of our personality and our lifestyle to cover the true state of our hearts. We act strong and unaffected by our brokenness, hoping that others won't notice. We laugh at our failures while all the time cringing inside at our lack of perfection. We shift the blame to others to minimize our own faults. Shame leaves us feeling so hopeless, which is why I think that the last point is so important, and that is that all brokenness brings hope. The effects of sin in the world and in our own hearts bring us to the end of ourselves. Our Search to find strength and resilience inside consistently comes up short, leading us to look for something bigger outside of ourselves. Now, it won't be found in the inspirational book section at Barnes & Noble, and it might not be the verse your friends quote to you when you share some of your shortcomings and your needs at small group, but it is the answer and the hope to the brokenness surrounding each of us every day. And it's this verse. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And that's Genesis 3.15, and it's right in the middle of verses that are depicting the desperation of human nature. And we find this glorious hope in these few words. Because Adam and Eve had messed up and were hiding in their shame, as we can so easily relate to, The serpent seemed to have gotten his way, and the beautiful life of the garden was quickly wilting. And then we find this verse, where God speaks of one day a rescuer, a Messiah coming, who would bruise Satan's head. The Gospel Transformation Bible sums up the hope offered in the middle of this fresh brokenness. It says, Though the corruptions of sin quickly infect humanity, grace is displayed for Adam's and Eve's descendants, or their offspring or seed. There is a seed despite Adam's and Eve's sin. There is a means to relate to God despite sin. There is protection for a murderer despite sin. There is warning of the corruption of sin and 
at the same time indication of the faithfulness of God to provide the seed for sinners. In other words, there is salvation in the shattered world we experience each day through sickness and sin and corruption. The second Adam, that's Jesus, restores the life that was lost to Satan and offers victory and peace. Now, we will still battle the flesh and its evil effects, but one day we will reign with him as rulers over a once again perfect earth. So because of this hope, I I want to encourage you, don't downplay your brokenness. Don't hide behind the facade of independence. Don't wallow in your shame. Instead, rest in his perfection. Hide in Christ's work on your behalf. Rejoice in his victory. Wait expectantly for the day when all brokenness will be replaced with unblemished wholeness forever. I hope that's an encouragement to your heart today as you struggle with brokenness all around you. You can head over to dishesanddoctrine.com to let me know any of your thoughts on today's podcast episode or anything that you'd like for me to pray for in your life. You can also sign up for our kitchen table newsletter that comes out every other month just with special extra resources that I have found around the internet, books and videos for you to watch. You can sign up there and there'll also be a special video series that you'll get for free that I put together just for my email subscribers. That's dishesanddoctrine.com. I hope you have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon.